every so often I I kind of laugh about the fact that the Chicago Bears had that kind of environment yesterday, <laughs> nature-wise, to play in. I I love it, but then again, my team's not affected by it, so it's a fun watch. But uh, it, I I don't know about you. I dig games where there's rain and there's tough conditions. Others do not. Mostly Niner fans today, but I kind of I dug it a little bit, Josh. I thought it was fun. Little weather's fantastic. Never nothing nothing wrong with a little weather during a football game. Ugh, How about so the Niners much. just face planning to start? I mean, that's not good. Breaking news this morning, uh, the Texas-Alabama game had more streaming viewers than any regular season college football or NFL game in Fox Sports history. What? According to a report this morning, well, actually it's not a report, according to Fox College Football, the Texas-Alabama game had more streaming viewers than any college or pro football game ever. Now, here's the part of it that's a little bit, you know, okay. Yeah, they don't really stream NFL games. Right, and they didn't release the numbers. So, it's like, yeah, that's great, and maybe maybe you were waiting to drop that, but Fox, yeah, they have one NFL game that they stream, and, I mean, it's you, you got to – it's a process to go through to get anything streamed on any. I have to re-authenticate. Every, is there a step that I'm missing in this whenever I get on these apps? Just, I literally have to re-authenticate every single time I use it. Never on my phone. Always fine on my phone. But on my Fire Stick, it's like nonstop. But there's a little breaking news this morning. Okay. Now, this is up to you. This is your world. Do you want to, Josh Helmer? Throw a couple more things that you personally learned from week one to week two? Or do you want to hear from the people a little bit? Well, let's do both here, but I'll just okay. say this off the top, and this maybe will get some of the people going. Offensive line, I mean, that was an embarrassing display in the first half. For them to have seven rushing yards was just pathetic against Kent State. I mean, look, I, I get they had their third quarter eruption, and that was right. great, but it, it was a bad sign for Oklahoma. There's There's been a couple of bad signs through two games with the offensive line. So I'm not just going full gloom and doom here, but I'm willing to entertain conversation out there that, yes, there's some problems up front. Uh, for the 402 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Up to this point, the O-line will lose us three games unless they lock it up. Uh, he has one play that stood out to me. was the deep post Kent State ran, and Woody Washington never made an attempt to the receiver. He just kept running up the field away from him. Uh, I'll have to go back and look. That, that play doesn't pop out to me. Maybe he thought he had help over the top, but yeah, I, I, I'll have to go back and look. I, I wonder if Wanya Morris is going to make that big of a difference, right? Because here's – all right, you ready? Let, let me go glass half full. Okay, let, me, let me be positive plank here for just a second. Positive plank. The guy that – the guy that had won the right tackle job isn't out there. 
and it's pushed into service, somebody at that position in, well, in two weeks in a row. I mean, Anton Harrison played right tackle last week, and uh, Guyton played it most of this week. You, you've pushed someone into that position that's not overly familiar with it, right? I mean, Tyler Guyton was an H-back for TCU at times last year. And I get it, he's had all off-season camp, and he, but it's still, it's a different world when you get in there in game action. And if you go back to the first play of last week's game, last, not, not the Kent State game, the UTEP game, Tyler Guyton made a very elementary mistake, right? Something that for an offensive lineman at that level is not a mistake you should make. That may have cost the Sooners a touchdown. So there's that. And then... I mean, Cam Tarr just hasn't played all that well. Now, I haven't had a chance to talk to our O-line guru yet this week. But, I mean, is is maybe there the necessity to have a little bit more competition there? Uh, Savion Bird is someone that we've all fallen in love with. But Bill Beanbow is going to play the guys that he trusts. Is it a matter, Josh, of just more time? I don't know. But if you want to go glass half full, then... Wanya Morris getting back will help get them into a rotation where, all right, you've got dudes that you're a little bit more comfortable with, and you can look at these first two games as ways that you got game experience for guys that maybe wouldn't have got it if consistently if Wanya was in the line. Now, that's very homeristic, to be honest with you. I'm just calling myself out so you don't have to. There's also one other take, and I like this from the 580 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Just my personal opinion, but I feel like the Oklahoma offensive line always struggles the first couple of games. And then there was this from the 918. The magic fix for the O-line is Wanya Morris. Once he's back, we're all good. So there's some sunshine pumping if you want it, Josh. I know that natural reaction would be, I don't care who's in there, if you're wearing an interlocking OU on the side of your helmet, you shouldn't have any problems pushing around Kent State, right? Plank Savior, Excusinator 5000 for us. If if you're playing Kent State, I don't care if you were playing wide receiver the week before, you should be able to go out and push around Kent State, right? 100%. Yeah, absolutely. There, There's an element to that here. I just – it is what it is. It's Kent State. You had seven rushing yards at halftime. That's going to get everybody's attention in a negative sure. way. The, the the other part of this is, are we really – how confident are we that Wanye Moore is coming back, a guy who couldn't crack the rotation a season ago, how confident are we that his return, all of a sudden this thing's magically going to be fixed? Fair question. Fair question. He is a guy that we have heard great things about this offseason and thought great things of during the regular C or during the preseason last year. It never really materialized. But like I said, it's incredibly homeristic. Now, if you want to just say, oh, there's your magic fix. Now, if you want to glass half full this as well, man, Marcus Major looked really good running the football. And uh, the final numbers were better. 
Major averaged seven yards a touch. Eric Gray averaged seven yards a touch. You know, Tyree Walker, whenever he came in, I think he was the third running back, uh, averaged about four yards a touch. They ended the game with, what, 152 rushing yards. So, I mean, I, I don't know if that makes anyone feel better. I don't think it will because the frustration over how things look through the first half, heck, even in the first quarter, I'm, I was trying to pull up the stats and here quickly are we talking about it. Did they even – yeah, they had nine – Nine rushing attempts and zero yards in the first quarter, Josh. Nine rushing attempts, zero yards in the first quarter. Not good. Not good. That's not good. So, I mean, and it was also weird. That first half, you had a running game that was unable to get going. Um, Turk shanked a punt, which I don't, I don't know if we'd seen that since he stepped on campus. There was just a lot of weird about that first half for the Sooners on Saturday night. Yeah, and again, if there's anything to really negatively chalk up coming out of this game, it's this. It's the concerns about the offensive line. But generally speaking, and kind of what we said about Alabama-Texas that need more information, I just still am not ready to make sweeping, sweeping opinions coming out of this right I, I I don't think it's just a total lost cause up front for Oklahoma though again it's piqued my interest that maybe there's some problems there right um by the way the, the rest of that 918 text is pretty good how about the way Justin Broyles played Saturday 11 tackles also Harrington with a pick and Bowman with a forced fumble in the recovery how they I've, I've got some of the post game I'm going to share uh, a little bit later on but I will say this much. The way Billy Bowman is playing and handling himself and the way that Justin Harrington has taken complete advantage of the second chance, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting. Would have been a pick six if he hadn't had the little bobble. How about shifting it from his right hand to his left hand? He he looked like he knew what he was doing out there. Um. Except for again, a little Except exchange, for a little, 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 little bobble on <laughs> the exchange didn't totally work. But yes, I, I'm I'm with you. I hear you. Um, all right, let me, let me get two more of these, and we'll get a break, and then we'll hear from uh, Jeff Levy, Matt from Gunny, magical Marcus Major had a good game. Marvelous Marvin Mins had a great game, but full grown man Danny Stutzman had an outstanding game. And oh yeah, the lights didn't look terrible on TV. There's another uh, addition to your Danny Stutzman looking the part. I'll tell you this much. Um, oh, by the real to Chris, real to Chris is great. You guys, at halftime, I was calling for the LEDs to be removed. <laughs> All right, get him out of here. This is so dumb. All we talked about is these LEDs, and it's seven three at the half. Get him out. <laughs> Love it. Um, and and by the way, that's I know I understand. This guy's Turk was under pressure. I get it. He's had a punt block, too, in his career. I'm just saying, overall, it was a weird first half. It was a weird first half for Oklahoma. And Jesse writes, I'm not sure Wanya Morris makes it all better, but I believe it will help. I also think that we will do some things different schematically that will help. 
I find it odd that we were told that the O-line was the strength of this team coming out of camp. And didn't we hear that same thing a year ago? Didn't we sure. hear something, if not that word, or that word, that phrasing, then something to the effect of, oh, man, this offensive line's looking great. And these last couple of years, it, I, I don't know why that's been the case. It was a shift for Bow then, and it still is now. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm ready to say anytime we hear that the offensive line is good, that means that probably they're bad and vice versa. Uh, all right. Dude, look at us. Look at us. All right, let's get a break. Let's take some inventory. Let's scroll through these texts, get some of your takes. Uh, let's see. What was this right here? Someone brought up uh, the 405. I heard on Jeremiah and Brain's podcast, other than the O-line, that the punt teams need to tighten up. They said that people are getting through and the snaps are not on target sometimes. Now, I will not have you besmirch the name of Case Keller on this here program, 405. But you're not going to be perfect, and you hope that you learn from these mistakes. Yeah, Turk, dude, he got off one in pregame. So they do the thing. It's not the same, right, where they, they catch the punt and everyone huddles and they run into the locker room. But he does kick one last punt in pregame. I got. I think Teddy was watching it too. Josh, I, I kid you not, I think he booted it like 70 yards. I'm just like, <laughs> this dude might – with the way special teams are going in the NFL, he might end up being a second-round pick when all is said and done. <laughs> Holy smokes, man. Kid's got a foot. Has anybody ever done that where they left college midseason to go pro? <laughs> Can you do that? <laughs> Is that possible? I was, was going to go pro now because it looks like special teams are a mess. Well, heck, he's already gone through the combine once. I mean, he set the record for most. Uh, oh, what am I? Why did I just play? Oh, much bench uh, bench press reps. Whenever he went to the combine, because he had that kind of oddity where he was out at Arizona State, and then he went to the combine and went through the combine, then. I guess decide, yeah, I'm going to come back to school, which I didn't know you could do. But, yeah, take care of Turk. He's a national treasure. All right, when we come back, let's hear what Jeff Levy had to say about his thoughts on the offensive line right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. I love Mondays, man. I love game day Mondays. I like where we are, but there was a, this did pop into the, to the text line. The crowd needs to step up, right, to the 405. I was at the game and had people that were mad we were making noise on defense and told us to sit down during the first half. If we expect changes in the culture from the players, the fans need to step up too. Look, I got news for you. (laughs) And listen, let me be very clear. I love your passion. You, as far as I'm evaluating this situation, you are in the right. You are the type of fan I want going to the game you're the Oklahoma Sooner. I want having You're one of those guy. seats, buying tickets. It ain't going to change, okay? Nah. There's going to always be people around you. Sit down. Why are you standing up? Oh, now the making noise thing's a little unusual. I, I've not really heard that before. But the, hey, you're blocking my line of sight. That fan is going to the games. They've got their tickets. They've been passing them down through the family. They ain't going anywhere. They're still going to be at the game, unfortunately. <laughs> It's going to happen. It, it, that happens at pro games. That happens everywhere. That happens at Alabama. Um, but, yeah, I don't – I wouldn't get too – it's just a gentle reminder. Hey, 
We're at a college football game. Let's make some noise. Now, if if it's a break in the middle of the third quarter and nothing's going on in the field and you're standing up, you're like, hey, what's going on? Let's go. Then, then maybe it's, you know, you can wait till the game kicks back up. I don't think that. How about I can can I tell you honestly what I've watched a thousand times and I'm a terrible person because I've watched it a thousand times. <laughs> yeah, what is it? That LSU student just like walking onto the field in the middle of a play. <laughs> yeah, have that was se- pretty good. Have you seen it? Yeah, oh yeah. I I don't like to talk about this, but I I have this sense, Josh. I don't know if many people are aware of it. But I can tell when a person is gone. I can tell when you're faded, ripped, hammered, trashed. It's the slightest little thing. I can tell. I'm going to go out on a limb. I think that dude was gone, Josh, especially the look in his eyes whenever the cops. It's like he's just taking a stroll onto the field while the play's going on, and nobody's stopping him. It's like, what What are we doing here? Nobody knew. Nobody knew. That is a superpower of yours. That's Yeah, yeah it's very special. I, I don't like to share it. Um I like to share very often. I like to share very often. Um, True Sooner has – oh, wait, hold Real quick before we get to True, Jeff Levy was asked about the running game uh, during his presser on Saturday after the game, and I guess it would help if I had my audio plugged in so you could hear what uh, what he had to say. Again, Marcus and EG, you know, EG had the explosive run where the exact same scenario in the first quarter presented itself. And EG gets tackled for a four-yard game, and then the exact same scenario presented itself in the third quarter, and he rolls off, I don't know how long it was, but probably a 45, 50-yarder. And so to me, that's just, again, staying with the plan, understanding getting our guys in space one-on-one. They might make a couple, but we're going to make a couple too. And those couple are going to be chunks to give us a chance to go score touchdowns. I know a lot of times as an offense, when things aren't working, you, coaches always feels like it's close, like you're close to breaking through. Yeah. So what does that mean when you start off kind of tonight with Marvin, and then you could just kind of keep stacking playmake, playmakers on top of that, whether it's Drake or uh, Eric Gray's 44-yard run, or right. you know, j- just being able to to kind of get guys to see that. We talk about it all the time, but it's just all about playing the next play. You know, play each play independent of itself, and finding ways to put our guys in positions of success and let our guys go play fast and free and go win. And so when you do that, I think our guys understand that. They're going to continue to play. Again, the thing that I'm most proud about is how together we were as a unit, as a team, how positive guys were at halftime after we had just played the way we played. And so to me, it just shows some maturity. It shows some belief. It shows some togetherness and toughness and edge and, and, uh, and proud of that. There you go. What's, what's Murdoch trying to do? Is he trying to get the, you know, this team's really close. This team is really close. Is that what he's trying to get out of Jeff Levy here? <laughs> I don't know if that was intentional or not, but, yeah, we were <laughs> headed in that direction. Uh, hey, True Sooner, sorry about that. Welcome to the show. What's going on, True? How are you? I'm doing good, man. Hey, so I asked Josh how his weekend was, and you know he told me, Frank? What did he say? He told, me, he told me it was the greatest weekend of his life. Whoa. Best weekend now, ever. Now, I know what my greatest weekend was. Um, and this is a family show, um, so I, I didn't want to you know, dig dig too deep into Josh's, but I'm kind of putting two and two together. Well, and right. we, we were t- we were talking about the 40 year old virgin movie. Uh, oh, so well, I don't con- I don't know. Congrats, good fun weekend. Congrats, well yeah. done, Josh. Greatest weekend ever. I mean, it sounds, yep. sounds pretty like sound like there was more than fireworks at OU Stadium. Uh, 
I can tell you where there weren't any fireworks, and it was up north in <laughs> Iowa City. Yeah, well, the game he was covering for HawkeyeWire.com, HawkeyesWire.com, there were no fireworks there. That was a great weekend of college football, though. I loved it. Okay. NFL's back. Are you kidding me? Dig yourself out of that one. Okay, so here's the deal. And this is about what this crossed my mind on Saturday as I'm watching Appalachian State win, and I'm watching Marshall win, and I'm watching Kent State have a three to nothing lead. These teams, they're not your dad's pushovers. They're not. They're not the Utah States that used to come to town in 1980. The, these dudes are. They're, these coaches are happy to be there, and they're like, and they're good coaches. They're not. I mean. Th- if they just stay in these places for forever, they're making a good living. And they're, I mean, Appalachian State is proud of the fact that they've knocked off Michigan and that now they've gone and, you know, and, and won this. I mean, these dudes, this is a whole different era as far as these little guys go. And I, I guess they're getting NILs too. So is, are these, I guess what I'm trying to get to, Plank, are these, these stepping stone jobs, are they becoming less and less and more of destination just because? Uh, you know, just because of what's available to them? Okay, this is a good question. This is what we fought. T-Town, Tulsa fans can relate to this. We talk about it in basketball a lot. Um, but in college football, I it's it's been an unfortunate, tough go for some guys that were brought up from those stepping stone, quote-unquote, jobs, Right. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz, not necessarily going well at Missouri from Appalachian State, right? Um, right. And, and there is a little bit more. And so like Jeff Trailer had a chance to go a couple places this offseason and chose to stay at UTSA. Now, there's places that when they call, you're going, right? When, yeah, when, yeah, yeah. When, when Bama or OU or um, Georgia, I mean, there, there's places that when they call, you're going. I think the question here isn't about, hey, is there – Less op- is there less incentive to jump? But to me, what if I'm understanding this correctly? To me, the question is: Is Nebraska one of those jobs where you're going to drop everything to go try to take it and try to do what you can? Florida was that you saw Billy Napier do it in a heartbeat whenever he left, and uh, congratulations on their Week One national championship. They already had to take the banner down, but it's that to me is the bigger question here. Not not just hey, have these mid majors become destinations because they aren't. There's always going to be places that you're going right. to want to go. The question to me is what kind of coach can Nebraska hire? Right, right. What what does Kent State coaches make? What what does the head coach make at Kent State now or at Appalachian State? Um oh I'm sure it's it's if it's not it's probably three hundred, four hundred. Oh, I bet it's close to a mil. I bet it's close to a mil. See, I bet it's like seven fifty. Hold on, I can look I mean, right now. You can be pretty <laughs> I mean you know, you some of these dudes, man, they may never leave those places. And I mean, you can be pretty happy on that kind of cash. I mean, Shane Lewis you know, just, makes Sean Lewis makes four hundred forty three or four hundred thirty three thousand dollars. Yeah, so I half mean, a mil. I was you know, yeah. Well, he's going to get to six or seven hundred thousand if he, you know, down the road. I mean, just because you're not these guys that are making five to ten million, you can still have a nice career. And never, never leave those places. I mean, and, and I know that's that's not their their goals. Their goal is to get to a Georgia and Oklahoma and Michigan and all that. But if you don't, you can have a pretty good life, you know. And yeah. and, and I'm just I, I'm seeing a lot of pride 
in these lower mid majors that I ha- that I don't remember seeing as a kid. And I'm talking about the Marshalls and the Appala- you know Appalachian State. The only you know it just seems like that there's just there it's not that bad of a job, and they they don't mind if they stay there. It yeah. seems to me like I, I appreciate your phone call, Trey. It's a great we'll point. I can't believe I honestly now I say four forty. I wonder if there's incentives for coaches shows and things that are built in there, but I'm not gonna I that's a little bit lower than what I expected. But there's a really good point on this this take. Wait, what am I trying to say? There's a really good point on this topic from the nine one eight. There's more talent today than there has ever been available to these teams. He's right. Look at, you know, and, and there's also that opportunity at some of these places where you can get, I hate to use the term cast-offs, but you can get guys that maybe were recruited by an Alabama, an Oklahoma, a Texas, a Tennessee. I'm just mentioning some teams that come to mind. And the transfer portal makes it a little bit of a different world for you, too. But Sean Lewis, if, you know, Nebraska calls, he's gone. If <laughs> Because there is, you know, there's a major difference in 450 grand, 700 grand, and what they could pay, you know, five to six million dollars a year. Now it's life changing stuff right there. You know, Nebraska is a good example, though, that. Yes, there are avenues to immediately replenish your roster in ways that really didn't exist before. Sure, you could have transfers, but the transfer portal, we know, has totally changed the game in college football. Nebraska brought in, I want to say, 15 transfers, and and it might actually actually be north of that. And guess what? It ain't working in Lincoln, Nebraska, right? So that's a nice little case study that you do still need A – a good head football coach, B, a good coaching staff, and C, you typically need to build it from, I think, the high school ranks on up and out. You can transfer portal yourself a little bit and replenish that way, but, man, if transfer portal does not a roster make. No, you still got to recruit. Um, and it, this is – we can't do this. We can't do this. It's too good of a topic, True. Low pressure lets them play free. I mean, that's a really good point. You go to other places, and you're able to – now, let me talk about my alma mater. Some of those places, you have some success, and it becomes low pressure, but after a few years of struggling, that pressure ramps back up. Right? I'm pretty sure if you know Marshall just beat Notre Dame. Arguably the the greatest win in the history of Marshall football, right? And if you're Charles Huff, you're you're on cloud nine right now because you know that's a program that he's in his second season of, and they're two and zero, and they're they were seven and six last year. But he replaced a guy in Doc Holliday who was like the talk of the coaching world. Right when he went ten and four and thirteen and one, but lo and behold, it, 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 think about this stretch. You you talk about low pressure and being in these mid majors. Doc Holliday and Marshall went ten and four, thirteen and one, ten and three. 
Five seasons later, at a mid-major like Marshall, after having just one losing season, they didn't renew his contract. I mean, so yeah, you could say low pressure, but when everyone gets a little taste of it, that pressure ramps up. All right, good good topic. It got us off the beat, and Burley Boomer brings up an excellent point. Uh, high school programs are miles ahead of what they were 20 years ago. Kids are better ready to compete coming out of high school these days. More talent. Heck of a th- Did we take our bottom of the hour break yet? No, we uh, okay. should probably do that. We heard from Jeff Levy on the offense when we come back. Let's hear from, uh, well, obviously Brent Venables, but Ted Roof, too, on the defense. It's all coming up as we have a reaction Monday. What is it? A motivation? No, mental Monday. Mental Monday before Tanoga Tuesday right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. A girl named Caroline. She's uh, I, I don't think she's a student anymore. I think she graduated. But I see her every game day. And when I see her, this is the song. I, I just I hear the words from Outcast. Caroline. I see. I can't even like say joke and sing it because I don't know what he says after that. So I don't know if it makes if it's a good song or a bad. Song. Did you ask her if she has a golden calculator? She'd be like, "Gosh, you're such like a loser and I don't a know dork, and I hate see, you." Like I, said, I, I don't know what Outcast is even saying after. I just heard Caroline, and that was it. The sad thing is, she'd be like, uh, "What are you talking about? What? What? Who? <laughs> who are you?" Well, once upon a time, there was this musical group. You know what? Listen, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, throw myself into oncoming traffic. You have a great rest of your game, okay? I'm going to go walk out on the field like that LSU student and act like I don't know where I am. I'm so sorry. Are you familiar with Speaker Box? Um, gosh, I got so much stuff here from post game, but you guys have been so good. Well, the Air Comfort Solutions text line, I feel like I'm missing out. Did you, did you watch Baker at all this weekend? Yeah, I, I did. Uh, you know, Great finish, obviously, Great for finish. Baker. I thought poor start for Baker and Carolina. It, it, kind of a lot of the Baker Mayfield experience of his professional career. There was in the second half of that game, oh, man, yes, this is why this thing's going to work in Carolina. Front half of that game, ugh, he might have gone into a situation that's going to be his last starting situation in the NFL. It was a whole experience. I will say this. I am starting to get really triggered by the Baker hate. It took me, what year is this now since he left OU? His last game was in, I'll, I'll never get 50, 60, 17. So 18 was Kyler, 19 was Jay. Five years? 20, yeah, so uh, it's now really starting to get to me. Like Fox Sports has this promo where they run with Colin Coward. It's like, his, his teammates just don't even like him. I'm like, <laughs> because Miles Garrett, a dude that swung a helmet at a player on the field and was a defensive lineman isn't loving him up. Did, did you did you see the 80,000 at the spring game? Do you hear his former college teammates talk about him? Have you listened to what most of the Browns guys say? Carolina's going to be okay. They really are. It's going to be fun. All right, Ted Roof afterwards. I think we're getting into a little bit of Danny Stutzman here. For uh, This one's for you, Josh Helmer. Thank you. This one's for you. Maybe. Wait for it. Wait for it. Or is it even going to work? Ted. 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 Uh, you're, you're right. Third down in the first half, we weren't very good. And uh, there were a lot of reasons for it. We didn't tackle particularly well tonight. Uh, but at the same time, you know, when you hold somebody to three points, you're, you're happy about that and proud of that. But as a coach, you know, you look about like 
you know, how can we get better? And uh, again, proud of our guys, and at the same time excited about where we're going and uh, and how we're going to get there. Hey, third downs were an issue. Did I have the Stutzman stuff? I had the wrong pot turned on, Josh. You know, this was his second start, and uh, he had a career high tackles last week, and he broke that this week, and uh, made uh, at four TFLs, which is a lot of production, and. Uh, did a lot of good things, and again, Danny's a guy that, that shows up every day and puts in extra work, and you're seeing some of the fruits of labor show show up there. And I think there's uh, an, an increased level of expectation, too. I think that there is also this, all right, this is fun what you're seeing, and yes, he's a linebacker that goes out there and makes plays, funny on social media, has a great presence, but um, to me, to me, Josh, I think that the, the ceiling is the roof. So to speak, uh, are the ceiling is that, is that what Michael Jordan said? I don't think that there is. I don't think there's a level of how good he can possibly be, and they expect so much of him, so much of him. They should, right? They they should. There's a ton of talent there, and now look, he's one of Oklahoma's starting backers. So that in it and of itself, anybody starting for Oklahoma, there's going to be a lot of expectation. But linebacker for a defense. A lot of times you're, quote-unquote, that quarterback of a defense. So he's stepped into that type of role for Oklahoma. And the guy just goes and makes plays, man. And what we've talked about on so many different occasions, the leadership conversation, right? Sometimes right. it's like nails on a chalkboard to me because it's it's just so overplayed and overdone. You lead by example. You lead by production. And guess what? Stutzman is producing. Two games in, this guy is making plays all over the football field, so guys are going to pay attention to that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. uh, Let's get a couple of Air Conference Solutions text. Yes, K-Puck. I'm not getting mad. Even Teddy Lehman, our Letty Taman, that's close, said the O-line was going to be good. (laughs) Letty Taman. Okay, Buck, I, I'm there, too. I thought the offensive line was going to be good. Someone mentioned it earlier in the show. It's been an O-line that has historically started slow. And maybe it takes time for Bill Beanbow to get the pieces together how he wants. Um, but we'll see. It, it's, uh, it took until after the Texas game in 2015. Now, I, I know that's ancient history now, but who was it? J- Josiah St. John? And it was like, he's tipping off what's – and then once they moved Drew Samia back out to the outside, it was great. You know, it just sometimes takes time. And in this instance, uh, again, I I agree with Kendall getting – Morris isn't going to make that big of a difference. Let's not kid ourselves. I picked us to win the conference to make the college football playoff. We'll nix that. Lucky if we don't lose two, maybe three games. Now, a little bit drastic, Kendall. A little bit drastic after a 2-0 start. But I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that suddenly Wanya Morris is going to make all the difference in the world for the offensive line. But I'd much rather have an outing like this that you can learn from and get better from than go out and be in a situation like A&M or a Notre Dame or a, BY, a, a, a Baylor is this morning. It's going to get better. It's going to, it always does. And if it doesn't, I don't think Brent Venables is going to be the kind of guy that's going to wait around to see if certain guys are going to work personnel-wise. I think he's going to – He's going to get to Lebs, and he's going to get to Beanbow. I don't think Bill Beanbow and Jeff Levy are the kind of guys that will be overly patient in having guys work through things. You'll see changes. Yeah, it was pretty clear from, you know, the the spring up until now, from what Bill Beanbow has said, that 
this is not a finished product. The opening depth chart could be, but is not guaranteed to be any sort of a final depth chart for Oklahoma. Clearly, the results, let's just call it what it is, they've not been good enough. Right now, there were some big, big, big time chunk plays in the second half for both Gray and Major, and that's great to see. But the consistency, it's got to be better. Beautiful thing is you touched on Plank. Look, you win the football game, and there's nothing like the correctables happening in a game that you did, in fact, win. So now it's time to go get some of those things corrected. If that is changes in terms of who's out there taking snaps, then guess what? There's going to be changes with who's out there taking snaps. Um, Teddy Ladiesman. <laughs> Do we have nicknames for Teddy now? Is that he's Teddy? Oh, it's a great. It's Ted. It's Teddy. Teddy Ladiesman. S- singular. <laughs> he's he's a lady man. He's got a lady. Stop it. Aaron's awesome. All right, we got a break. I don't want to get too far behind. I keep talking about the greatness of these texts. Let's keep rolling through them. Four zero five six five one three four three nine. Top five stories of the day. Uh, is replaced on a Monday by the top five things we learned from the weekend for Oklahoma and Kent State. Sooners win it 33-3. to We continue, uh, continue to react with you next on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. You want to hit a few more texts? Anything else you want to add? From Saturday. Oh, I would just like to respond to the people. I would love to hit some more text. Love people you guys to, chiming in. 832. It's been a busy day, as it always will be on a Monday. People need to relax about the O-line and this OU team in general. Georgia only put up 33 on Samford. I think we're okay after we put up 33 on Kent State, which is a better program Clemson than struggled as well. I – this is fandom, right? It's what it is. Like, I – there's a part of me that – I sit here, and I joke about this a lot on the show, so this is a take you'll hear a lot. I, I beg and plead for people that, you know, hey, use some, think about this. Don't Kittle doesn't need to be freaking out that we're going to lose three games after being 2-0, and and I don't need to hear that our O-line is trash or this. Calm down. It's going to be okay. It, it, it work, it'll work itself out with a great coaching staff. That, that, that's me. It's like, what's the – that's me talking to you. But I have a very do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do mentality because then as soon as I get off the air, for me personally, when I'm thinking about the Raiders, it's like, their car's trash, man. Why in the world did we invest in this guy again this year? What are we doing? Offensive line is terrible. They had all offseason work on their offensive line. We got some dude named Thayer. Find me the last great football player named Thayer. That's our right tackle. His name is Thayer. So I'm a very much do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do kind of a guy. <laughs> but here, here's two positives. Every Charger fan is saying, man, we would have lost a game when we play like that in years past. Every Raider fan is like, man, we would have lost by 50 <laughs> in a game when we play like that in years past. In fact, that's probably the closest game the Raiders have ever played in since the Derek Carr era started and he had multiple interceptions. But that's, that's me. That's me as a fan. Um, a lot of people have been asking about the Kansas State start time. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. That's a great question. Um, usually they're announced during the Big 12 teleconferences. And what has what, what has typified, Josh, years past is that there'll be a, what, like a the, the one-week hold, and they usually start in week number two because 
everyone's kind of trying to figure out, okay, who's good and who's not. I let's look. Have you looked at the national schedule in that week three at all yet? Wait, that would be four for the start times yet. I have not. No, I haven't. But I can. Let's take. I've a got break, it pulled up we? right here. Yeah, what do you got? So week four on Saturday, Clemson Wake Forest. That's going to be good. Pretty good. Arkansas, pretty good game. Arkansas at A and M. Pretty good. Yeah. Oh, Florida Tennessee. Right, um, but we're looking at Big Twelve, Pac twelve, Big Ten for something that could keep us out of the big noon kick range, and um, I don't think I'm seeing it, boys. I don't think I'm seeing it. I think there's a really good chance the Kansas State Oklahoma games an 11 a.m. kick because you're looking for a banger, right? If you're if you're Fox. And I hope I'm wrong. Well, Texas at Texas Tech, that could be two undefeated teams. Right, well, Texas lost, but Tech could be undefeated. And they're hosting Texas. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think that's going to be – that's not going to be better than Oklahoma-Kansas State. Yeah, so I think we probably – unless unless they pull the old, we're, oh, we're going to put a Pac-12 game at a 9 a.m. kick time. Oh, my – could you imagine – could you imagine if they put USC at 9 a.m.? They've done it before. But I, I, I know everyone's asking. They want to make plans. It's hard to make plans. But with all the questions, I'm kind of worried that might be an 11 a.m. kick. But we'll see. No announcement as of 10.59 and 20 seconds on week four schedules and start times. Quick break. All right, more of your Air Comfort Solutions text coming up. Plus our top five things we learn next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans.